Hello, Texans, and welcome to Friday. Welcome to the weekend. Mark Vandermeer, John Harris with you as we take you inside the building. NRG Stadium, talk Texans, talk NFL, talk sports, because it's a fun football Friday. I have no other Fs. Johnny, how are you doing? I'm good. Food. Food's a good F. Mm-hmm. Frolicking. Uh, a good F. Festive behavior. Frontier. Mm-hmm. Trying to think if there's anything else. I remember when the Frontier still existed on the Vegas Strip. That old casino. Oh, yeah. And when I was there in the 90s for the Las Vegas Bowl with Central Michigan versus UNLV, the Frontier people were on strike. I don't know what was going on. Some union dispute. Speaking of Vegas. Yeah. Your thoughts about the legend. Funny you should bring this up. Tweeting today. Brent Musburger. Yeah. No longer the radio play-by-play man for the Raiders. Yeah, how about that? And I wanted to uh, bring this up because, look, broadcasting is near and dear to our hearts. That's what we're doing right now. Brent Musburger. Kids. Brent Musburger was the man. He was CBS Sports. As much as Jim Nance is CBS Sports now, Brent Musburger was more of CBS Sports back in the day, the 70s, the 80s. He was humongous. You're looking live at Veterans Stadium in Philadelphia. He did all that on the NFL today. He did play-by-play. He did the NCAA tournament on CBS before Nance took that spot from him. And I'm not saying Nance stole it from him. Nance is well-deserving of that role. But Musburger was the man. Then he went to ESPN forever, ABC, ESPN, that family, the Disney family. And then the Raiders on radio in Vegas to wind it down. Wind it down. Who knows what he's going to do next? Maybe he gets an Al Michaels-type deal. I don't think so. But he did do that job. And I think he did it pretty well. I heard a lot of the highlights. And you'd hear his voice on some of the Raider montage stuff, just like they use our calls for that. Anyway, Brent says he's done as the Raiders play-by-play voice. I would think that's it for him as a play-by-play announcer. You never know. But where does he fit in for you, Johnny? And this is really relevant to me because a lot of people were tweeting last night with no Mike Breen available for Game 1 of the NBA Finals and Jeff Van Gundy because of COVID. None of those guys, neither of those guys available. They had Mark Jackson on the call uh, doing the color commentary. But without either Breen or Van Gundy, there was a lot of tweeting about how people missed Breen's bang for threes, yeah. especially as the Celtics were coming back, if you were rooting for them, and the Warriors going nuts early with Steph Curry hitting six threes in the first quarter. Announcers do play a role, yeah, uh, of course, in the narration, the soundtrack of sports. Where does Brent fit in for you? Well, a couple things. Number one, I think demographic has everything to do with it because – Every big game, seemingly growing up, Brent Musburger was a part of it. He was either NFL Today or he was out calling the actual game itself. Yeah, uh, he's he called some of the great college games. I mean, he did the 1988 uh, Miami Notre Dame game, which is arguably one. I mean, it's not arguable that it's a top five game. It could be arguable it's the greatest college game of all time. Catholics and convicts. Yes, it's he just he is the soundtrack of my early sports hood mm-hmm. really i mm-hmm. mean he was on everything and then when he he got his fastball back seemingly when he went to to abc espn he was doing games of herb street it felt like he was rejuvenated again with herb street and then he left abc espn he ended up in vegas he was doing his his uh vegas and i think it's probably what he'll do i think he's running that the the vegas radio program yeah. uh on on gambling and that was always kind of the running joke about how brent brent's got minus four on the raiders today or something like that but when he got to the Raiders, I thought, boy, this is kind of an interesting mix. I like this. He just tweeted, thank you to Lincoln Kennedy and thank you to the Raiders. 
And thank you to the radio crew that was with him. And he said, I don't know what I'll do now. Maybe Mike Trout needs a fancy sports commissioner or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it hit, it hit me hard. Like, wow, okay. He's 83 years old. Yeah. I would have guessed somewhere in the 70s, and I would have been low 70s. I would have not have guessed. If you do the math, it makes sense because he was all the way in NFL today back in his – and he was, a, he was a writer, a longtime writer before that. So 83 makes sense when you think about it, but at the time I would have not have thought that. So I don't know if it was – if it's him stepping away or if it's the Raiders, I, I, I don't know. But either way, I hate seeing it um, because he is the soundtrack of my sports life. One of, at least. Um, and it's always fun. You know, we had the Houston Sports Awards, and we had a chance to catch, the, catch up with Bill Worrell. Yeah. And, and Bill's kind of that same person growing Absolutely. up and listening to Bill, um, you know, Gene Peterson on radio, et cetera. And I know that, that you're going to be that voice for a lot of people that have grown up here and heard the Texans. You're going to be that guy. Um, so it's going to be interesting as – you know, we, we see younger people, and they're like, oh, yeah, I've been listening to you since I grew up. I'm like, oh, okay, great, man. You just yeah. told me I'm old. Here's the other thing. Now, I don't know if this happened. I Just gauging by some of the tweets I saw, I think this happened all across um, everybody watching the game. I thought maybe it was just my service. But there was a point in which the audio went out at the game or during the game in the f- first quarter, I think, near the end of the first quarter. And the the weird thing was, was the closed captioning was working. Like, you could see what they were saying. But you couldn't hear but it. But you couldn't hear it. That means the caption person must be in the truck. I'm assuming. So they – but you couldn't hear them. Okay. And it was weird. The last two, three minutes of the first quarter, and Steph is having – Steph Curry's having an incredible first quarter. But and, – and that's where Mike Breen comes in. And I, I, I like that when a guy gets hot and he hits a three and Breen is like, bang, and it kind of goes with the crowd. It's just – uh, it gives it a little something, but there was it was weird. I mean, Steph hit a couple of shots, and you could hear not you heard nothing. Right. So I don't know if it was like that for everybody. I, I read a couple of tweets, and it sounded like it was. There was a couple of tweets I saw that were <laughs> were saying the audio engineer for ESPN was having a rough night. I've seen a lot of national broadcasts have glitches yeah. lately. So that that was kind of tough. But I'll be interested to see what the what the Raiders uh, end up doing. I, you and I, you know that. I'm the same as you in the fact that the broadcast itself means a, it means a lot. I'm always interested in the broadcast and asking guys that are on broadcast teams, you know, whether it's South and Buffalo, just the guys that we've gotten to know, just the ins and outs of the broadcast and their stories. And I, I know Musburger's got a million of them, but it just seemed like it fit. Raiders, Musburger, Las Vegas, it just seemed right. like it all fit together. So I'm curious to see what more will, will come out of that. But um, I – if that's if that's it for Brent, yeah, he's going down in top three. I mean, Madden, Summerall, Brent. Wow. Um, but he never did NFL play-by-play on national television. No. He did the studio show, and he did all the other I mean, things I'm just you just talking, mentioned. You know, broadcasting in, in general. I, it's funny. All right, so TV broadcasters, right? Whether you're in studio, doing play-by-play, and these are different categories, yep. but – The icons of the era, let's just say post-1970, the Super Bowl era, but in all sports. Right. Okay? Right. And I guess we have to include Kurt Gowdy, who started before that. Oh, I love Kurt Gowdy. Uh, Keith Jackson, to me. I mean, there's so many. Gosh, I don't know if I can go. All right, let's just go studio, because Brent made his mark as a studio host. Ernie Johnson might be the best. Ernie's so good. And, you know, Ernie's so underrated. People, often in these conversations, his name won't come up right away. Well, but the way he handles that TNT show with Charles and Kenny, he's the perfect point guard for that. That's the thing. When when you've done 
radio or even TV, no matter what role you've been in, and, and for me it's always been sort of an analyst role, and when you're with multiple people, especially those that like to talk, to manage all of them and keep the show going down a particular track is a it, the way he does it is is incredible. I think he and, and he's got and he's humorous. He's incredibly intelligent. He prepares. He's just a he's an awesome guy too. So I think Ernie Johnson in studio is excellent. Musburger NFL Today was just he was he was incredible. He was he was just and of course we were young and we didn't really know well, what's the studio show supposed to be. You know, we didn't know they're doing you know Jimmy the Greek stuff and then Earl Cross George. is kind of the insider and Phyllis George. It was a really it good a, mix. It was a good group. Musburger was great. Now I don't know how you consider NFL primetime. But Boomer and TJ, I don't know if that's a studio show. It is a studio show, but it's a highlight show. But Berman did drive the pregame on ESPN, NFL Countdown, whatever they call it, I did for love years. Him that, I didn't love him in that role, but I loved him with the highlights. The highlights. Well, it's funny because at some point, 6'10", and we do it on this show too, when we're doing a long form and we want some NFL Films type music, they started rolling that primetime NFL films yeah, yeah, music yeah, yeah. as opposed to the that yep. old you know Vince Lombardi right, John right. Facenda stuff right. they're running the more modern Berman along with Tom Jackson stuff and I really like that a lot uh, I'll throw you a name James Brown I, I think was he's just about to say him. I think he's underrated yes. I've interviewed the guy he really is a very interesting man and he's been on two different networks doing this and he has been shall I say, saddled with a lot of different personality types. And sometimes they have way too many people on that show. It yeah. feels like it's James Brown and 14 other people as yeah. analysts, and he's got to drive the whole thing. And I've always thought he does a really solid job with it. I'm, I'm glad you, he was the next name I was thinking of was, was James Brown. For that, for that same reason, I just think directing that studio show with so many people and trying to get guys – to hey, I know you may not have just finished your point, but shut up because yeah. we got to move on. Right. I mean, without saying right. it, but you got to. I wonder if he has the Drew Doherty wink. Have you Maybe. ever? You've been exposed to the Drew oh, Doherty wink, right? Time. All right. So for the listeners, when we're shooting a show with Drew Doherty, and you see these, whether it's on social media, on ABC 13, or on any of our affiliates, when Drew is talking with us. With his eye that the camera can't see because he got a profile view when he's looking at his guest, he will wink with that eye, just wink, 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 yeah. as to say the one you can't see. You got to wrap this sucker up because we need to go to break right. or whatever or the next thing. Right. And he gives you the Drew Doherty wink, and it's a thing, and he's really skilled with it. It's just it's not like a glitch in his <laughs> his eyeball or yeah. something. He does it, and it's for. A purpose. It's intentional, and it's really cool. All right, I'll give you another way to look at this. I think that Brent is among the greatest overall TV broadcasters when you factor in play-by-play -play and studio right. host ability and just overall ability. I also think I'm not a huge fan taste-wise, but I think you have to say this guy is unbelievably great. Bob Costas yeah. is tremendous at what he does. Play-by-play studio host, all of it. Now, people might not like his attitude and the fact that anytime Smarmy. you need an opinion on the history of baseball, uh, we must go to Bob Costas because yeah. for some reason all the baseball DNA of the entire history of the game has been weaved into his body. Yeah. I don't know why, but he's one of those go-to guys when they made the Ken Burns series on baseball from that to just about everything on MLB Network. Yeah. Anyway, but Costas is that guy. Now, 
if you ask me, who would you rather listen to calling a big game or, or doing a big studio show for a big game, Brent or Costas? Give me Brent every day. I got to, Yeah, absolutely. I'll take Brent every day. I mean, but Costas, you're right. I don't want to take away from him. I mean, the guy, the guy's called – I mean, he's called baseball. He's called basketball. He's called football. He's called pretty much everything. I'll give you a guy who I think could end up – and we've talked about him before. I think he's kind of the modern-day version of, of – Musburger and and Casas because he has done it all and of course I, I the Syracuse connection to Casas is what got me is Mike Tirico oh yeah because Mike gets him. in Mike gets in studio I think he's the best overall right now yeah the best overall like in the moment relevant yeah. working Mike Tirico yeah. can do anything studio right. the Olympics does a tremendous job with that great at play by play. I might rather listen to him than most guys out yep. there calling a game on national television. So I think his work speaks for itself. Yeah, I think Nance is always going to be up there. He just always has kind of this – he always has the, 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 the feel for the moment. And you get – I, I feel like at, at the Masters, it's not even really a play-by-play, but it's more just he's playing point guard and he's getting it out to 16 and he's getting it out the way. Hey, let's go out to Dottie Pepper out at 16. Uh, let's go to Vern at 15. Vern, what you, it's just the way he handles whoa, whoa, whoa. that. Vern at 16, Vern's Johnny. At 16. Get it right. I, when I said that, I'm sorry. I okay. knew it was 16, but I had screwed Jeez. up. I'm sorry. I know Vern's at 16 because he called Tigers. He called Tiger yes. in 2005 with the ball going in, and then at the end it said, yes. Um, you know, that's a guy that's underrated to me. For, for Vern. Not, Vern. I think Vern Lundquist. He called the 92 Duke-Kentucky basketball game. He's known for SEC football. He's Uncle Vern. I mean, he called the '92 Duke Kentucky Leitner. He called it with Len Elmore. Those are the two wow. that ended up calling that regional final. Because of course, CBS is covering the whole tournament, so they've got to have four different, you know, four different yeah. crews yeah. covering all those games. And so Vern and and uh, Len nice Elmore gig. called those two. But former voice of the Dallas Cowboys, yes, Vern. I mean, he's, that's the point. He's done, he's done a ton of different things mm-hmm. uh, across the way, but uh, in studio. You know, guys that could do studio and play-by-play. Brent Costas has, has got to be there, and uh, I think Tariko. I think Tariko's fantastic. Uh, I would take. I would take Tariko. And, and the thing is, I was mad, really mad, when Tariko left college football. Like he was calling a key college yep. game, like a Thursday night game. He was calling that game. I was mad I, when he left ESPN because ESPN he could do everything. Yeah, hurt him a lot. And you'll, I, I liked him. Yeah, and NBC all of a sudden he's Al Michaels' B team, really. Yeah, yeah, but now it's going to work out really well for him, yeah. and he's done a ton of stuff at NBC anyway. I was thinking for Dan Hicks when NBC was still doing a lot of golf, yeah, that it was a warning sign. Uh oh, is Tariko going to come for your job? Because Tariko is good at golf yeah, too. Yeah, uh, did a bunch at ESPN. In fact, the Masters the first couple of days. All right, let's get to the next item on the agenda. It's a weekend summer cooler potpourri. That's not a good word for a sports talk show. But anyway, you go to the cooler, you pull something out. Let me pull this out. No longer will the NFL have COVID surveillance, at least not for now, meaning the little devices that you wear, the contact tracing. I'm sure they're going to do some contact tracing if you test positive. But, Johnny, I'm going to ask you this, and I don't mind talking about this on the air. Anecdotally, I'm hearing about a lot of people, relatively, some, several. I don't know where to put the number, but right. it's more than one. Right. It's less than 20. But people getting COVID. Yeah. Where there was a stretch there where it felt like nobody you knew was getting COVID. Right. Or two degrees of separation. You weren't anywhere near anyone. 
who is getting COVID. Now it's kind of like, ah, so-and-so's got COVID. It doesn't seem to be as as life-threatening as it was. And again, I'm not a doctor. I just play one on the radio. But your thoughts on that aspect of it, little flare-ups here and there. Uh, I heard about, oh, the church choir where I go to church. They had a little outbreak, and oh, they had wow. to shut down rehearsal. And, you know, if you're well, singing in a choir in a room for rehearsal, that's a super spreader right there. Yeah. You are literally flying through the air with COVID molecules. Yep. But what are your thoughts? Well, it came to the forefront last night when Jeff Van Gundy is out of game Yeah, that too. Because he's <laughs> he's got COVID. And the game before, what game What game did they call? Was it the seventh game of the Celtics Heat? Uh, I he believe. sounded horrible. So it's like, how long did he have it? <laughs> well, Breen had it. And Breen, and Breen had it. So Breen's been out. So anyways, point being, it's – it, it feels like it is, and I think they use the word endemic, where it's got to be managed. It's yeah. it's like it's like having the a cold or, a flu. or having a cold, and it's going to have different symptoms for different people, just like the flu and just like you know having a uh, having a cold. We're going to have different symptoms. Some people get the sniffles all the time. Some people, um, you know, get a runny nose. Some people. Um, you know, have, I don't know, some people have headaches. I don't know, maybe that's just my family. But they're just different things that you're probably going to have, and I would imagine this is going to be uh, going to be something something similar to that. Where the sports part of it comes in for me is having to do with players because when we look at players, we think, oh, Jordan, the flu game. Even though he says it wasn't the flu, whatever. That's probably not going to happen ever again. We're probably not going to have any – game of that magnitude where oh yeah he's sick in the locker room but he's going to come out and what play. if you like, test negative for covid oh uh, that's a different story though you know a doctor recently asked me if i had the pneumonia shot i didn't even know that existed the pneumonia shot i've never heard of it really i'd never heard of it either pneumonia and now i'm feeling shot. like an idiot that i haven't gotten the shingle shot now i feel like uh, maybe i gotta get that one too how many i don't know shots do we have to get a lot of shots. Just do Johnny. them all at the same time. Just get it all done. One big gigantic shot. Give me shingles and give me COVID and give me, uh, you know, the third chicken pox on yeah. one arm and then give me, you know, like swine flu and, and something else on the other arm. It's the size of a Clorox container. Just go ahead, stick that big needle in, give it all to you. So my son, and you'll see where this is tied in in a second. Mm-hmm. So my son was, he was like, Dad, what's, a, what's another series we can watch? Because it's just, it's me and him. So what's a series we can watch? And I was like, well, have you seen Veep on HBO? And he's like, no, let's, let's watch it. Oh, with Elaine, Julia Dreyfus. Yes. Louis Dreyfus. There have been so many instances in there where Veep was like a year or two ahead of time. Oh, really? They actually talk at one point. They didn't, they didn't call it COVID, mm-hmm. but they mentioned some sort of MRSA. They did it in passing, but I happened to catch it. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I watched the Veep series. I mean, it's, it's hilarious. And it's very, it's very off color, but there are moments they talk about that absolutely like came true in real life. And in COVID, they kind of they didn't really like dive into it, but they mentioned something about they called it a MRSA outbreak, which I know is you know maybe different than what COVID was, but something of that extent. And I'm like, holy cow, they they called it, you know. But there were a number of things like that that they sort of called during that TV series, but. I, it, you know, we had a. <laughs> it was right around the combine time, and I remember we were going to, we were going about to go to the combine about a week out, and there was this thing that came from the NFL and said, "Hey, we're basically setting up these kind of super bubbles 
or these bubbles for the players, and this is how it's going to go. And there was a lot of backlash. And basically, the NFL turned around and went, "Great, we're you know what? You're right. We're just forget it. We're just everybody's going to be as is at the combine. Like have at it. Like okay." And about two days later, we are not with somebody came in the in the door from the Texans and said, "Hey, do you guys have any of the the COVID like posters and stuff that were posted everywhere throughout the building?" We had hand sanitizers everywhere. I mean, this building was decked out with COVID information, et cetera. And he said, do you have any of those in, in here? And we're like, no. And he goes, okay, if you do, just make sure you take it all down. So, like, all wow. of that went away, and I was like, well, oh, I guess it's over. Yeah. I, I mean, san- hand sanitizer is still a good idea, yeah, obviously, I mean, I, for a lot of reasons yeah. and colds and things like that. Other reasons as well. All right. And it wasn't a- so much that it was, like, it's over, but it was the fact that the the – the pandemic side of it, I think, the way it was perceived was over. We're still going to have to deal with, just like the flu and the cold, as we said, we're going to have to deal with that. So, you know what? I still I still wear a mask when I go out. I don't care. Yeah. Do I don't care. Want. I mean, I don't, I don't, if I don't feel like I'm getting sick, I'm not going to go to HEB with 250 people walking around. None of them have masks on. I'm going to have my mask on. I don't care. Do what Fine. you need to do because uh, that does uh, protect you for some things, and you never know what, you know? I've Maybe seen the common pe- cold even. I've seen – exactly. I've seen some people kind of look at me, and I'm like, you want to say something? <laughs> like, <laughs> Why are you wearing a mask? You want to try me? Come on, try me. Well, you didn't, like, tell the other person to wear a mask. Right. I didn't so say anything, that's but... called freedom. Yeah. That's called freedom. Freedom. Here's another one for you. We were talking about the Pro Bowl earlier this week and how it's going to turn into something else. We don't know what exactly, but it's all very likely that it turns into something else. Players don't really want to play in that game. Anyway, I was watching on TNT the golf challenge between Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, and Tom Brady. Ernie was on the broadcast with Charles. It was good. It was really entertaining stuff. They played 12 holes, which, by the way, is what golf should be. Golf should be 12 holes. It's yeah. perfect. Yeah. You get it done in three hours. You're out of there. It's perfect. You want to play, play another 12? Do it. Fine. Play another three hours. A three-hour game. You'd have a lot more participants. I have many thoughts on golf, not for this program. Yeah. Anyway, they were playing 12 holes, mm-hmm. and it was really, really cool the way they did this. Everybody was all mic'd up. Aaron Rodgers hits the big putt on the last hole. Yep. Brady did play well. He also hit one in the water on a mulligan <laughs> on the last hole. Yeah. Whatever. Mahomes was entertaining. They were all entertaining. It was good. This is what you need to do with the Pro Bowl. I'm not saying play golf, but mic guys up, have some sort of friendly competition yes. that still requires enough skill to make it interesting, yes. but brings out their best as far as the banter, the chemistry, and let's fans share in it. That would actually be more entertaining than watching a non-competitive football game. I think that you're absolutely on it. And I, it's funny because I've been watching and have watched. I've watched all the way through the F1 series. I know we've talked about a formula to drive. It's, you could watch that as a podcast. You don't even have to watch it. You could just listen to the audio of it. And get the gist of not only what's going on, but that's what makes the show. Because guys will needle each other, drivers will needle each other, but you hear the in-the-car stuff, you hear them talking trash to one another. The visuals are awesome because they're in all these different places around the world, but the fact is that it's the audio that you hear. It's like the mic'd up for the NFL films. When you have these guys mic'd up, I I can't get enough. I mean, we're voyeuristic in, in, Mm -hmm. I don't know, I mean, I I am. I want to know what guys are talking about. 
And then you hear it, and you're like, oh, that's really cool. Judy had to say on that. Oh, man, they were talking. And, of course, I like the football aspect of it. But that was the cool part of the, the parts that I watched. I didn't watch a lot of it, but I, the parts that I watched, it was those guys talking trash to one another. Beautiful. It was Tom Brady hitting a shot going, I hit that a little chunky. I call that a little Josh allen And it's like just little barbs at yeah. one another. And Charles was gold. Yeah. I, you He's know, the per- he was the perfect foil for all You that. could tell why, once upon a time, Charles Barkley was coveted for Monday Night Football's booth. Oh, yeah. yeah. It oh, just yeah. makes sense. Even though he's a basketball guy, he can banter. All right, maybe it wouldn't be the best thing in the world, but it would be entertaining. All right, next up, let's do who's better with disclaimers, and I'll set that up for you much better than I just did, next here on Texans All Access. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. Happy weekend. I hope it's a happy one for you. For you, you're able to get some time with the family, friends, whatever, or just chilling out by yourself. Or if you have to work, God bless you. We have to work many of the weekends. This would not be one of them, I guess, but uh, it's coming, and we love it. We love what we do here, and we love who's better. John, are you ready to play? Yes, let's go. All right, let's go. This is. Who's better as far as who do you want for the next four years? You're a GM. I'm going to give you one of these guys. Who's better, Tyreek Hill or Devontae Adams? Next four years, you've got one. Who are you taking? Tyreek Hill. I think Tyreek Hill is the most dangerous thing that we used to think. I say things. I never never really wanted to call Tyreek Hill a receiver because I think Tyreek is, is more than that. And I wrote today for my Daily Brew, I'm actually going to tweet it out, uh, or I did tweet it out earlier, sorry. Um, and it's the top 100 players the Texans will, the top 100 non-quarterbacks the Texans will face. Yeah. Devontae and Tyreek are both in there. Devontae is a very difficult receiver to cover. Very difficult. He does not scare me like Tyreek does. Because Tyreek can take a, a flip, a push pass, um, jet sweep, and he can turn that Gone. and put your defense on just absolute uh, fear. Put it in mm-hmm. fear. Mm-hmm. Devontae is going to spin a, a DB around, and you're just, he's just going to tip your cap like, yeah, I mean, great well, route. Let me, let me put it this but way. But you can double Devontae Adams and slow him down. But teams are going to find ways to use Tyreek Hill, even if it means putting him in a backfield like Debo Samuel. Yeah, that's true. Well, is there a receiver I could have picked – other than Devontae Adams, to intrigue you to pick ahead of Hill in this question? No. Okay. No, because there's so many good ones. There's so many good ones. There, there are obviously A.J. Brown. Just thinking of what's on the Texas schedule. A.J. Brown's on the schedule, um, who thankfully only once. Jalen Waddle down with Tyreek. Debo's not, but Debo's not better than Hill in this instance, right? No, I, but it's close, though. I, th- I think it's for getting me, there. I think for me, Mark, I've – Whenever I go to dinner, I don't want to eat one thing. I want to have my five-course meal. I want to have an appetizer. I'm going to get a salad or a soup. Mm-hmm. I want my meal. I'm want, full already. I want dessert. And if you want to give me a little sherbet at the end or whatever, the little uh, ending part or whatever. Sherbet? I'm, I'm cool with that. Okay. Um, palate cleanser is what they call it. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with that. I, I'd like to have a – I like to dabble in a, in a lot of different sure. things. And I think I want that out of my football players. I want that out of my quote-unquote receivers. If my receiver is able to go in the backfield and run the football, that just saves me, especially in a league that's capped both salary-wise and numbers-wise. I can have only 46 guys on game day. So I've got to make sure that those 46 guys give me more bang for my dollar. So from that perspective, Tyreek gives me more bang for my buck 
But with his speed and the way he can turn a corner and the different things he can do, I think he scares me that much more. Yeah, I'd, I'd put, I would put Debo ahead of Devontae just because okay. if i got to try and tackle that dude, forget it, man. Devontae is a tremendous receiver. He is a great entree, but he is not an appetizer entree and dessert. Okay. And Tyreek Hill can not dominate a game without touching the ball much, but he can attract so much attention yes. that it feels like it because other guys are getting the ball and they're more open because of all the attention Hill is getting. So the guys and I were talking about this, uh, Suds and I were talking about this the other day, Tyler Sudarth, our Emmy-winning uh, videographer, he's tremendous. We were talking about, we're talking about the Chiefs. And I said, I know people are talking about the Chiefs. The Chiefs are going to be okay. Andy Reid will find a way. Like, the offense will be good. There's no doubt. But when you face the Chiefs' offense in the past, you'd better have a plan for Tyreek. And what was that plan? Were you going to double him? You couldn't really double him because Andy could move him in a lot of different places. So it was hard to double him. Could you bracket him? You know, the best te- the team that did it the best was actually the Patriots back in 2018. So it it's – it was a little strange that they were the only team that could kind of figure it out, but they figured out how to kind of take him out of the game, but they had to take two people to do it. But that opens things up for Kelsey. That opened things up for the running backs. And so we were actually talking about Kelsey. Like, how would you attack Kelsey now that Tyreek is gone? And I said, well, my options are open now. Because with Kelsey, would I put Derek Stingley on him? I might think about it. Because the other guys, Juju Smith-Schuster, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, like, okay, good players. Who did the Texans put on him once upon a time and get success? Exactly. That's what, I said That's what I said. Suds, before you got here, A.J. Boye was the guy they put on him. Now, they also had Kareem Jackson playing corner, Jonathan Joseph playing corner. But I also went back to the philosophy the Patriots had when they faced Hopkins before Fuller became Fuller. They would take their number two – I'm sorry, they would take their, um, their, start, their best corner, Malcolm Butler, and put him on Fuller. With the thought that they could, their number one would erase the number two one on one, and then they would double Hopkins. Mm. I think you can and because Fuller wasn't there yet. Once Fuller got to a point where he was not maybe a, a equal to Hopkins, but it was clear, okay, he can beat whoever they're going to cover him with. You're going to make a mistake putting a number two on him. He's going to burn that guy. Then they couldn't have and they didn't have as much success. But with the with the Chiefs with Kelsey, I think you can do something like that. Maybe you put Stingley on him, and then you handle everybody else. Maybe you double Juju Smith-Schuster or whatever other receiver you want to double, but you want to make sure you put Stingley or your best cover guy on Kelsey. And don't get in a physical battle with him. Get in one in which you match and mirror him without being physical, and then make sure you're there and present so you can take away and knock away the football. That all said, you can do all that because Tyreek is not there. I'm trying to just make sure the quarterback doesn't want to throw the ball to Kelsey, exactly. if nothing else. That's right? exactly right. Not just try to knock it away. How about the ball doesn't get there in the first place because, oh, he's covered. i got to throw it to somebody else and let someone else, another defender, deal with that person. All right. Who's better? That was a long explanation, but we had to get to all that stuff. Who's better? And this is the version where you have to get this guy for, I'm going to say, two seasons. You have two seasons. Okay. Who's better? Derrick Henry or Jonathan Taylor? Who are you taking for two seasons? Who's better? I'm taking Taylor. God, I can't believe I just said that. Okay. I'm taking Taylor. Because Henry's one injury has got you thinking, uh-oh, is this going to be a thing now? Okay. Is it? Is it the injury alone? What if I guaranteed health? Does that change your opinion? Maybe. I mean, it would change mine. If you can guarantee yeah. health... 
I, I admit, even one injury starts getting you sort of shaky about well, here's the, the other thing. I know you said I know you said two years, but they just went through a 17 game schedule. Now, what might help Henry in the long run is the fact that he only played half a year last year. That might help right. him. Wear and tear as far as the pounding. Right. Guy was drafted in 2016. Keep that in mind. I mean, it's. Ooh. Whereas Jonathan Taylor was four years later in 2020. Oh my so, gosh, DeMarco Murray, an exotic smash mouth. Y- yes. That was 100 years ago. I know, exactly. And so the point being, I, God, it's hard to go against Henry because he's just a freak of nature. They showed him the other day working out, and he was running routes, running up a steep hill. He's running his pass, his running back pass route. I'm like, that was really depressing me. But here's the thing Taylor. Scratch the surface last year. What I think he can be, I think he's ready to go to a different level. And this when he does get to that different like level, I think that's going to be really scary. You know what's interesting? We, I'm not going to use the word fear, but we're more concerned with the running backs in the division than the quarterbacks. Yes, for the first time ever, really, quarterbacks in the off season. We knew about Henry going into last year. We knew about Taylor, but now it's really solidified. Yeah. it's really baked. And this is a division, folks. When the Texans entered the league, the Colts had Peyton Manning. The Titans had Steve McNair. They had a co-MVP season between the two of them in, what, 03, right? Mm -hmm. And then the Titans started to drop off in 04. Manning obviously kept it going. The Jags had Mark Brunel when this division started. Because the division did not exist until the Texans got here. They created the AFC South. I just find that stuff interesting. But now you're thinking running backs. Really? Ryan Tannehill? All right. I know he's solid, but you feel like you can get to him if you yeah. do a good job. You and, saw that in week you know, one Matt last Ryan's year. not scaring the daylights out of right. you. Of course, he's super solid and experienced, but he's not scaring the daylights. And Trevor Lawrence is still on the rise here. All right. Who's better? Who's better, Johnny? I'm not going to say right now or in the future or whatever. No, let me put it this way. I will put it that way, where you get the guy moving forward. From this point on in their career, who's better? Who do you want? Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes? Oh, I knew it was coming. I knew it. I knew it. It's a tough one, isn't it? I can tell you who would want to play golf for me among those two after seeing the show on TNT the other night. I heard Mahomes was good. I saw a couple of his shots. He's good. Is he good? He's He's better than Allen. Yeah. I mean, Allen hit some shots. Don't get me wrong. Aaron Rodgers was far and away the best golfer. Okay, I can't believe I'm going to say especially this. Especially in the clutch. I can't believe I'm going to say this, mm-hmm. but especially after watching a playoff game in which Wyoming Josh came back out for the second half. I think Wyoming Josh is dead and buried, and I think that is bad news. I think <laughs> I think Allen has a stronger arm than Patrick Mahomes does. Mm-hmm. He, he runs the ball better, and that might end up being his downfall is the fact that he's going to take some shots because he's 6'6", six, six, 240. Um, I think I'm going to go with Josh Allen. Okay. I think I'm going to go with Allen. I, I th- think you'd have some company. I mean, yeah, uh, not not many because I think a lot of people are, Mahomes won a ring. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I know. But also Mahomes has been thrown to Tyreek and Kelsey and, you know, had Andy Reid. Josh Allen had Brian Dave. Now that's going to be interesting. Your guy, Ken Dorsey, is taking over as OC, so we'll see right. how, how he does. Uh, I think he's going to do fine. Uh, Dorsey's had, uh, you know, Cam Newton in the past. He's done some good things with quarterbacks that were not like Ken Dorsey. He's done really well with. I think Josh Allen with Stephon. Stephon Diggs changed things. When they got him Stephon Diggs, it was like, okay, he's got his guy to go to. But I just watch him up close. Both of them scare me to death. But when Josh Allen, 
Allen scared me even more. And seeing him in the rain last year, I mean, that thing was getting away. And I, I just felt like Allen was growing into his quarterback body. But the throws that he can make, Mahomes makes a lot of the same throws. I can't believe I'm about to say this, but I think Allen can be more consistent. Okay. I think he is more consistent than Mahomes. And, and, and Patrick gets very impatient. Whereas I think Josh will take what you – he'll take what you give him a little bit more than Patrick will. And I think that's going to lead to a little bit more success for Allen. They've got to get – they've got to smash through, though, this year. This is the year. It's all set up for them. This is the year they got to smash through. The Chiefs have been around long enough as a good team – where they got to roll that roster over underneath him. Yeah. And not the entire thing, but you and I always talk about how this goes. Every three or four years, the roster rolls over, right? With the yep. exception of a handful of guys. Yep. And they could be very important guys who are all pro types, possibly, if you're a great team. Or you have one quarterback, and it just seems like the team stays the same. But it really doesn't. So the Chiefs have that burden. The Bills are getting there, too. But they still have a lot of the guys who came up in this McDermott era. Yeah. And it's really interesting to watch them develop. They've got to get there. I mean, they went to the divisional round. It feels like they went back to the AFC Championship game because everyone remembers that game yeah. they played, that epic game they played at Arrowhead. All right, coming up, the final who's better. It involves two teams that I guess the Texans don't play this year unless it's a postseason situation. Ooh, nice. But they played them last year. Plus, we talked about one big retirement yesterday. We didn't talk about another. Maybe we should have it's texans all access final segment before we give it up for the weekend here on texans all access johnny we are playing who's better and it was the who's better version of a disclaimer time attached to the who's better in other words who's better which team from here on out pick one the cincinnati bengals who are coming off a super bowl appearance with joe burrow or the san francisco 49ers i loaded that one for you i should change the other team 49ers. I know you're going to pick the 49ers. Well, I've also. Because they're going to get Trey Lance and you love him and they're great. <laughs> but they have Joe Burrow in Cincinnati, Johnny. They do. And that's going to that's gonna be the great equalizer. As long as Joe Burrow stays healthy, he's the great equalizer. He's got three tremendous weapons to throw to. The offensive line got the makeover it needed. And defensively, I think they've got some of the more underrated players between Jesse Bates at safety. We know about DJ Reader. Uh, I love Logan Wilson, a linebacker for them. That team is mega talented. I do think, though, it's a team that 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 goes that steps back a little bit. Okay, I think it steps back a little bit. I think the 49ers, the 49ers, and now of course the caveat is if Trey Lance is all that, but that team is so talented across the board. I of all the teams face, looking at all the teams that we faced last year, that team was the most physical and fastest of all the teams we played. Really? Defensively, in particular. Wait, did My I say God. that we played the Bengals last year? It was the year before year last four. year. And, yeah. it was, and there was no Burrow there. I would have liked to have seen Burrow up close. But either way, it didn't matter because Brandon Allen ripped us a new one. So eh, Brandon Allen. Brandon, Brandon Allen. Brandon Allen. Second to last week of the season. That hurt yeah. a lot, the COVID that year. Did, that did hurt a lot. All right, yesterday we talked about Ryan Fitzpatrick retiring yeah. after 17 seasons, 11 teams. And we tweeted out. I did, I guess, but it's been retweeted. A picture, DP found it, of Ryan Fitzpatrick oh. in the very first episode of Texans Late Night. Is that the first one? That was the first one oh, in 2014. Wow. And we shot it in a studio here at the stadium. We had a studio audience. Fitzy was unbelievable. We gave the guests a gift every week. Yeah. That show ran two years, but it was a really hard show to do. We had the studio audience. We had to wait on the players. 
Uh, they had very important things to do. And we'd create this late-night atmosphere in the middle of the day, basically, and studio yeah. tape it, then throw it on ABC 13 on Saturday night. It was a good show. There were a lot of good moments. Yeah. Fitzy was great. We had Watt. We had all the stars. Yeah. We had Hopkins. We had everybody on that show. Yeah. But uh, Fitzy was great, and that picture is on Twitter on at Texans Voice is feed. I added a little apostrophe S there. All right, but the other retirement was Frank Gore. Done with the 49ers. The Canes were tweeting out all this stuff about his yeah. time there. The 49ers were. He's going to go into the 49er Hall of Fame. One of the all-time leading rushers, Frank Gore. Thoughts? You know we do all this draft stuff, and what's the one thing? And, and it hit home for us. The injuries? Year. Derek Stingley, two years injuries, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, what's he going to do? Derek oh, Stingley. Point. Now, Frank Gore was a third-rounder, so I, uh, you'd get it. It's a little different. But Frank Gore had not one but two ACL tears between his senior year he didn't go to Columbus. Did he go to Columbus? He's from the Miami area. Either way, he had an ACL tear. Coral Gables High School. Coral Gables. ACL tear, and then he tore it again. He tore it twice in like three, maybe four years. Yeah. Got into the league. Oh, he's an injury. He's an injury problem. He's just Dude played longer than any of those Canes. Yeah. Longer than any of them. I took my cap to Frank Gore, man. That dude was an absolute beast. Even when he got to the Colts. The 2015 game, that Thursday night, was that, that was, yeah, it was the 15 or 16. Either way, there was one game, I think it was the 15 game. And, yeah, because Frank was playing with Andre. Ugh. Anyways, Gore was a monster tackle that night. Our yeah. guys were struggling tackling. Now, they didn't give it to him 20 times. They gave it to him like 10 to 12 times, if I remember right. But they were struggling tackling him. I'm like, this, I remember being down the sideline. I was like, this guy's 80 years old, and we can't tackle him. Yeah. He's tough, though. 16,000 yards. So strong. Third in the all-time list. The thing is, he's never been considered the best back in the league or maybe one of the top three right. in the league at any time he's played. Yeah. But it speaks to his longevity and stick-to-itiveness that he could survive this long. So I give him a ton of credit for that. Johnny, I can't put him in the Hall of Fame automatically, but maybe I can just based on the numbers. Yeah. I guess the numbers get him in. And it sounds silly to say that, Mark. Of course, duh, the numbers are going to get him in. But I just told you that at no time in his career was he considered a top three running back in the NFL. I'm pretty sure I'm right on that. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Here's the other thing. Mm -hmm. When there's precedent, that's the thing that always gets me. If there's precedent of a guy getting in that was similar, then shouldn't Frank Gore get in it if his numbers are ahead of him? The guy I think about is Curtis Martin. 14,000 yards. He's sixth on the all-time list. And you could say the same thing about him, never considered one of the top two or top three in the league. Curtis Martin? Curtis Martin, yeah. Yeah. All right, Johnny, thanks a lot. Yeah, Mark, thank you. All right, that's going to do it for the show tonight. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back on next week. Texans at OTAs again. Week three of that stuff and a whole lot more. Coming your way next week, go to the Texans app for information on tickets. Go to the Texans app for information on Lovey Smith mic'd up. All the stories we have, all the other videos. Check them all out. Go Texans!